0: I'm Q. And I'm Jewish Dave. This is Bird Road. This is Bird Road. Dave, why don't you read us and tell, tell us what's, what's going on.
1: Yeah, well, uh, this is Bird Road, like I just said, and if you're listening, you should be
0: subscribed heard that to Bird part. Road. We heard the part about it being Bird Road already.
1: Well, I'm just making sure that they are fully aware of what it is that they're about to hear. And uh, Christ, yeah,
0: man, this never ends. It never ends with you.
1: You know, people can subscribe, they can rate, they can review, and they can also get in touch with us. Uh, Bird at west dot net is our email address, our official email address. Is that does that forward to the both of us? Cue if, yeah, if somebody that, was to that should, so, that, yeah. hits,
0: that should hit both of us. And you're betraying, um, you know, how little interaction we get with that email, that email address by just questioning whether or not it even. <laughs> Um, no no i'm not
1: i'm not questioning it oh so what you're insinuating is
0: that you've set up a gmail rule where you sent forward that directly to your spam is that what you're insinuating (laughs) my spam is just out of control it doesn't know what to do with any of my emails imagine looking at your spam (laughs) what would be inside of there it's mostly real emails
1: actually i almost sent you a screen uh, a screenshot the other day of my spam it was a hillary clinton email and i thought you'd (laughs) you'd enjoy that
0: yeah let's see what she's running for let's see what she's (laughs) up to so uh what's going on over on piecing it together
1: Piecing it together, we've had like a, a string of new guest co-hosts, which has been great. Lots of lots of episodes, one after another, just just knocking them out. Um, we're about to do one on the father. About to do one on La Yarona. That should be a great episode coming up here soon. Uh, awesome movie year. I uh, just started
0: Spanish season for seven. The Crybaby Lady. That's,
1: That's right. What, the that the Crybaby Lady is that is that a direct translation? You would know.
0: Yeah, um, actually, it is a pr- pretty yeah. direct. Translation, yeah, yeah the crybaby lady. I used to call my daughter Yorona when she was a baby, when she was little. <laughs> I, I mean, Why I not I you ever call, call me that? that? She, she is still a crybaby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, uh, yeah, lots of good stuff happening So, over there.
0: Dave, I want to try something a little bit different with you today. And I've been wanting to do this um, sort of new format for a little while now. And I've had this, this story in my crosshairs for a while. Ever since people started talking about... One of my favorite topics, one of my favorite bugaboos, which is the um, overall uh, inefficacy and undemocratic nature and just corrupt garbage heap that is the United States Senate. Uh, Mm. And I was trying to come up with a good story that we could tell about, um, you know, that we could use this new format, what I'm going to be calling uh, Story Boys, where it's just them boys (laughs) episode and we do Story Boys. And mm-hmm. and uh, I, I basically am telling you a story, right? And I want to hear. Yeah. I want to. I want to just enlighten you and hear this like fresh knowledge land and settle on your um, fertile mind. And, and for
1: for the listener at home, just know that I'm currently tucked into bed right now. I've got the the blanket nice and tucked, so I'm like really ready. Time. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna fall asleep as soon as this episode is done, and it's it's gonna be nice things.
0: So, this is Story Boys. So, this yeah. is the, our first Story Boys episode. Um, just them boys Story Boys. And, uh, I'm going to keep saying it. Um, so, I, I wanted to like have a – do do like the classic storytelling thing where you like zoom out to this big picture problem or this narrative or this idea. And then zoom in really closely on one small part of that story that just – uh you know this is like real this american life type shit like a mm-hmm. small slice of of just like one story that tells that larger story and yeah. for a while um ever since pretty much a, the, the two special elections in georgia went to the democrat um can, the democratic candidates there for a while i've wanted it to be about this like i said before the senate um the united states senate which i think is probably the biggest obstruction and and toxic dump of a um, institution which is really saying something in our entire country in our governance in the way that we you know in, in our constitution in the way that we run ourselves like the, I, I, and, I, and for a while i really wanted to focus in on like one exemplar or like one particularly you know corrupt mechanism of that institution And for a while, I didn't want it to be Joe Manchin, who gets a lot of flack for being a conservative, basically a Republican Democrat. And the line that you'd always hear from people like me before um, the election was, uh, before the special elections and the general election in November was like, oh yeah, everybody says Joe Manchin is like, uh, you know, you can get 50-50 or a a Democrat majority in the Senate, doesn't matter because Joe Manchin's going to block all of um, any potential progressive uh, legislation. He's not going to mm-hmm. let it go through. We're seeing that happen. But my point that I had made on this show and to other people and in other conversations is that Joe Manchin's really just running cover for like a handful, maybe as many as 10 other senators who pretty much feel the same way that he does, but uh, and and serve the same sort of paymasters that he does that get the same, you know, corporate contrib- campaign contributions that he does. Uh, but in, he's basically like the sin eater for all of them. He's the one that gets shit on because you know the the nature of his constituency in West Virginia is such that he can weather it in a in 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 a way that um, people in like a purple state Democrats I should say Democrat senators in like a purple state or even a, a blue state wouldn't be able to weather it. Um, so he's positioned himself as this huge roadblock, but there are secondary tertiary. Um, roadblocks behind him that I think are even bigger and even more crippling and make the case much more clearly than, um, Joe Manchin ever could, that the Senate is a lost cause. It's something that should be abolished, excised from the future, excised from fucking history. And, um, every uh, understanding that the, the only politician that I actually really kind of admire is a senator in the United States Senate like Bernie right. Sanders is one of the only people in my lifetime that I've really ever admired or respected in in political office. And um even understanding that destroying the Senate would mean getting rid of, of Bernie Sanders uh like and ending his career I still think we should do it and the story that I want to tell you today is about one person who shows exactly why that's the case. Okay. What is your current level of knowledge on the covid financial aid package the large you know 1.9 trillion dollar uh, package that has um in fits and starts made its way through congress
1: my my understanding is you know obviously fairly minimal but i i know that uh it most likely is not enough and the people that have to uh, agree on it don't agree on it so that's pretty much where
0: I'm at. Okay. So, that's that's pretty good. Part of part of it is um part of that package had been until recently a proposed uh increase to the federal minimum wage of $15 an hour, right. which is currently 7.25 an hour. Has been 7.25 an hour since you and I entered the workforce basically. Yeah, like, which yeah. is crazy. Uh me, not so much you. Um yeah. <laughs> You, have a, you you occupy a weird sort of liminal space where like you might make like $3 an hour, but you also might be worth like $25 million. And it's a very weird thing. Like when you figure out the math of the work that you put in and the hours that you're on, you're technically a 24-hour-a-day employee. When's I, ho- I hope
1: not a lot but a lot of people are listening because this could be bad if <laughs> but yes, my, my situation but is my all fucked up. It <laughs> doesn't make any sense.
0: <laughs> you are a guy who <laughs> who probably has tens of millions of dollars of property in his name and can't of af- and, and, and has to seriously consult your budget when you buy uh, Southwest Airlines ticket to Miami, uh,
1: yeah, or, uh, like or a, a f- smartphone uh, case. I have to, I have uh, to, pe- I have to keep a case on my phone so it doesn't break.
0: <laughs> so I say that to say that a lot of the people who are like affected by this stuff, by this once in a lifetime right now opportunity to push through long overdue legislation like a fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage. Um, you know, they don't occupy the same space as, as me or you, um, and it's. Studies have shown. I'm not going to sit here and debate the merits of the $15 an hour minimum wage. Studies have shown, beyond a shadow of a doubt, implementation of it in other municipalities and in other countries have shown, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that it's the right thing to do. At this mm-hmm. point, it's probably not even enough. It's probably should be 20 to 25 dollars an hour, right? For sure, and um, that, along with you know, like stuff that we talk about on the show all the time, like a slate, a raft of uh, you know, welfare state entitlements and things like you know. Uh, Medicare for all free college for everybody stuff like that should, all should come together universal basic income all these things should come together to create a better society ideally but you got the Joe mansions standing in the way of that kind of stuff even right now in the midst of um, of the worst pandemic that we've ever that anybody who's alive has ever lived through but like I said like I alluded to earlier. Joe Manchin is only the guy taking the heat, or at least he was, because now one of the other enemies of progress has made herself known very clearly, and her name is Kirsten Cinema. Kirsten Cinema is the senior... Uh, I'm going to assume you know no level of knowledge from the folks that are listening right now and try to explain exactly who and what Kirsten Cinema is, because she's the topic of this show today. And her story, her story, Dave is emblematic of not just what's wrong with the senate the united states senate but also what is wrong with the types of people that it attracts and what's wrong with the type of with what it does to those people what it turns them into and also kind of like what those people already were Mm. So Kirsten Cinema is, like I said, the senior um, senator from Arizona. She, she's a senior senator only because Mark Kelly was only recently elected to take over uh, the deceased John McCain's Senate spot. So Mark Kelly is, I think, an older guy than Kirsten Cinema. Kirsten was young. She's only, um, I think, 48 years old. Um, yeah, for, I'm sorry. She's only uh, 44 years old. She's a young, young woman. Um, was one of these candidates that came up in uh, local politics uh, was a uh, initially a, well, I'll just, I'll read you a little bit of her bio. She was, um, uh, she's been serving as a senior senator since January 2019. She's a Democrat. She served three terms as a state representative uh, for Arizona's 15th legisl- uh, legislative district from 2005 to 2011, one term as a state senator, and then she became um, a congresswoman for Arizona's 9th Congressional District, which she did from 2013 to 2019. So she kind of, like, climbed the ladder in a very, um, like, sort of, you know, uh, a standard way. Like, you start as, like, a state representative, and you become a state senator, you become a congresswoman, and now she's a senator. Yeah. Now, she was very unique because, like, in her past, before... She became what she is now, and we're going to get into what she is now. She was a real firebrand. Now you would say maybe we do owe something to the world as long as it's nice and sweet and peaceful, and what you want to do. Well, it's not so much a candy cane kind of theory <laughs> you're making it stand out, but I, I do think that, that those of us who, who are privileged to have more um, do owe something to others. I don't by think force? That, No, no, no. I don't, I don't think by more I me mean, as an individual, if I want to go fight in the Taliban army. I go over there and I, you know, I'm, I'm fighting for the Taliban. I'm, I'm that's a personal decision. And Bye, I don't care if you I want, go go I want to go. She made statements um, saying basically things like that. It would make any leftist smile. Honestly, she started out as a a Nader, a Ralph Nader supporter in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, she also was quoted in a lot of um, a, a lot of contem- contemporaneous. Uh, articles and things like that, saying basically like that she, uh, you know, <laughs> that 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 Ronald Reagan and George Bush had created Osama bin Laden and had created Saddam Hussein. Mm-hmm. Um, she ha- was you know famously anti-war during a time when it was really tough to be anti-war in like the two thousand two, two thousand three. When, um, you know, it took a lot of bravery, honestly, to be anti-war. She rose up through the ranks being, you know, the, the New York Times described her as like a, a firebrand progressive, like exactly the kind of person that you would want. She came out as um, bisexual, I think, around like 2009. So that kind of made her a very historic candidate. She became the first openly um, bi member of Congress when she was elected. Uh, just the first openly bi um, senator weirdly you don't see a lot of that in her bio anymore like she doesn't mention that kind of orientation Hmm. she's hewed really closely to the center um in the like i would say like last five years since she's set her uh, her sight on higher political ambitions all of this came to a head and the reason that I didn't really have the time to sit down and really write this the way that I wanted to and kind of dig into this the way that I wanted to is because our hand has been forced. Because the most popular image on Twitter over the course of the last five days, it's really been a video and I'm going to share it with you. Now, this is Kirsten Cinema casting, not the deciding vote or anything like that, but, um, but a, a vote uh, on whether or not. Uh, the fifteen dollar minimum fifteen an hour minimum wage should be included um in the uh in, in the aid package. You see her approaching mm-hmm. the dais dressed um stylishly and she gives huh. gives a very sort of petulant I don't know yeah. how would you describe the way that that she dropped that 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 no, that that thumbs down vote, Dave, because it has lit up Twitter over the course of the last um five days since she uh again, a Democratic senator, enthusiastically yeah. and sort of cutely um giving a thumbs down to the fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage portion of the um of the one point nine trillion dollar COVID bailout. Yeah, uh, and I'll, I I'll sort of I, play and it again I don't know. I don't know
1: while it's playing again here. I don't know if you're going to get into this, but um, I would think you'd have to explain yourself after acting that way.
0: Just a little background on her. She's like all of these senators. Every senator has some sort of like cute, you know, element of their life, some hobby that they try to share to make themselves seem more um, human. Hers is fitness. She's a like and 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 shoes and style stuff. So she's very like um you know of of like that sort of third wave feminism like embracing your your girly elements of yourself but also, you know, healthy being like all into the health and wellness. She's done I think she's the only um senator ever to do an Ironman. Hm. Right now for me, my job is is pretty big. Um the work I'm doing right now to try and help Arizonans through this crisis is is pretty intense and it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and it can be emotionally pretty difficult and so for me making sure that i have time each morning to do my workout before i start the day helps me have the strength i need to serve my community throughout the day and try to help people and save some lives so she's like in incredibly good shape and um very like dedicated to working out and stuff like that and she shared that's the kind of stuff that she shares on social media so i bring that up to tell you like You're not going to get a lot of responsive, like, deep thoughts out of her, like, in terms of justification. But um, she did have this to say. Your point, you should have to explain yourself, right? Yeah. Like, why would you behave that way? Why would you get up in such a petulant manner and um, sort of in in such a whimsical way just, like, throw this very important Yeah, she's
1: starting shit, clearly.
0: Yeah. So here's her explanation that she posted on social media. I understand what it is like to face tough choices while working to meet your family's most basic needs. I also know the difference better wages can make, which is why I helped lead Arizona's effort to pass an index minimum wage in 2006 and strongly supported the voter approved state minimum wage increase in 2016. No person who works full-time should live in poverty. Senators in both parties have shown support for raising the federal minimum wage, and the Senate should hold an open debate and amendment process on raising the minimum wage, separate from the COVID-focused reconciliation bill. I will keep working with colleagues in both parties to ensure Americans can access good-paying jobs, quality education, and skills, blah, 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 blah. Nothing else interesting in the statement, really. I think that most people read that and think that's bullshit if mm-hmm. you think that if you believe that the that the minimum wage should be higher that and and you know contingent with all of the you know millions of people who would be lifted out of poverty and all the different you know uh, iterations of 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 types of families and 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 things like the, all the the repercussions of that all of the the positives that that would engender everything that 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 would create a situation where you um you know made gave a living wage to people if you believe that then vote for it right i think that that's bullshit personally
1: i get that- the sentiment though that you know the the wanting to to make it its own separate issue and not be a part of the overall uh, uh covid bill but at the same time if you're in politics you should know that that's just the way these things happen
0: right that, that, i think that's a bullshit response i think that yeah. pointing to like the need for you you want to know how it's bullshit? Imagine a huge omnibus piece of legislation like this passing through, with some huge win for Republicans baked into it. Yeah, um, tell me the name of the Republican senator who would vote against it and be like, no, 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 we should we should separate this, debate it, put it on the on the calendar, and give it its own moment in the spotlight where we can. No, of course right. not. No, there's no, Get it done.
1: They're getting get it, it done, done right
0: here and now. You have the chance to do it right now. So, Arizona, I would love to pick your mind because Arizona is a place that I, 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 I think in the in the wake of this sort of controversy with cinema, people have been trying to like pin down like what her constituency is. Is this like what Arizonans want? Are they like not in favor of a minimum wage? I looked it up and apparently. Of all the the eight other eight eight Democrats total voted against that particular portion of the um, of uh of the package, of the of those eight, she has far and away the most people in her state who would be affected by it. She has like eight. There are eight hundred thousand people earning minimum wage in Arizona, and they would all have their lives uplifted by that by this legislation Mm -hmm. and way more than anybody in joe Manchin or tester or any of these other guys um in any of their home states so you're somebody who visits arizona a lot right I'm, i'm like wondering like what is the political valence there like do you get the feeling that you're like in the south or something or in like the country or do you get the feeling like it's when you guys visit like what is what is it like in arizona because i think for a lot of people it's Kind of like a little bit of a, um uh like a like just like a, 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 a almost like a flyover state, like one that you don't really think about a lot.
1: Yeah, everything it, everything seems really small townish. Like it's just you know one small town to the next with like long stretches in between where it's like you know who the hell lives out here, you know. But uh you know it's beautiful though when you get to the, the cool parts.
0: But like culturally, does it feel like it's the kind of people who? I mean, you know how how, how like politics is culture now, and everything is like. I mean, you drive through this country and, and everything is like what fucking signs people have in their yards or on their pickup trucks and shit. Yeah. Like, What is what is that like ambient vibe of, of Arizona when you're there?
1: Yeah, I, I think it was uh, fairly Trumpy last time we went. Uh, <laughs> I'll say that. Um, but I mean, it was also like right before the election and everything. So it's kind of the perfect
0: time for everything to be like highly political. I think that that's instructive. And I think that something else, like considering who it is that she has to, um, you know, who who she has to represent. Remember, she got voted in multiple times by Democrats. Mm -hmm. The other senator of her party got voted in by Democrats. The president, partly on the strength of winning Arizona, which Hillary Clinton did not do, um, was voted in by Democrats as well. Right. So. I I am at a little bit of a loss because she's also not a um at one of the candidates who's really like raking in cash and like taking huge speaking fees. Her her net worth compared to the other seven um to the other seven uh senators who voted against, she's far and away personally the least wealthy. She's. Like all the rest of them, their their wealth is in the millions of dollars. Joe Manchin is worth tens of millions of dollars. He's a very rich man. Um, she's worth like negative three hundred thousand dollars, which means that she's basically just a normal person with right. a with a with a mortgage, like a, just a, a normal person. Um, which begs the question. I was trying to think of an analog of like who that is like, and the only person I could come up with was Obama. Who I think she fits the bill of very well. And I want to get into her background because I think that there is um, first of all, there's some interesting shit in her background. Second of all, I, I think it's it's again like instructive. It tells us like where she's coming from and what she wants to do. And before I say it, I want to tell you like there is I want I want to mention this. Any big time political career, particularly in the in the United States Senate, where you, your power is like orders of magnitude greater than other people in Congress, right? In Nevada, or take Florida. In Florida, we have twenty-eight Congress people, Congress persons, mm. and we have two senators, right? Um, there's many. There's only a hundred senators. There's four hundred and fifty-eight Congress people, members of Congress. It's a very, very powerful position. To get there, you have to be, like, basically, like, an individual brand. There's not just some random lunatic who's just, like, enraptures the people and the people love him or her and is able to, honestly, only Bernie. Bernie is the only one. Everybody right. else is, like – he's, like, the craziest member of Congress. Like, he doesn't have some enormous um, – you know, party infrastructure backing him or pushing him. He hasn't been vetted 15 different ways from Sunday. You don't see, you see a lot of like loonies get into the House of Representatives. You don't see that many overtly bonkers like QAnon or like, uh, you know, um, Tea Party people get into the Senate. It's mostly a chamber made up of very like, uh, like vetted people. People establishment-y. Who had, yes. Very yeah. establishmenty. It's actually the big problem, right? It's what we're talking about is that these people, people like cinema, are more adherent to the way things are, the status quo, than they would be to any kind of change that might actually benefit people. Mm-hmm. So I say that to say this. To make a brand like that, there's an element of myth-making that is involved. Everybody, just like every politician, lies, but... Particularly in the U.S. Senate, people have to sort of bolster their credentials and make themselves out to be more than they are. Mm. Like, I use the example here in Florida. I have two senators. They're both Republicans, right? First one is Marco Rubio. Marco Rubio is a guy who, I think people forget this, but one of the ways that he was elected was, obviously, he had huge Republican support in Miami, which redounded to his benefit. um, More so than, like, a white guy Or like a black guy, honestly, might get because he is a Miami Cuban. And he spun the tale about how his parents fled Fidel Castro's revolution in Cuba. Um, But it actually turned out that they had left Cuba years before the revolution happened, years before Castro came into power. Mm -hmm. And that didn't really, you know... That that didn't really come into play until it was like until he was already el- years after he was elected, and they were like, oh well, yeah, I, I lied about that, I guess. Oh well, and he still kind of does claim like my parents fled the type of socialism that we don't want to see here in the United States. Um, at the time that his parents left, they, the, Cuba was still under Batista, and Batista was very much a, an ally of the United States, um, brutal as he was. Uh, our other senator. Technically, our junior senator um, is Rick Scott, along with being just a fucking demon of a human being. (laughs) Um, He was a two term governor. He built himself as this former, like, Navy man, um, a self made captain of industry. He has this, like, very impressive record of building multi billion dollar healthcare companies. Um, But we already know. And this has been out in the public knowledge for a long time. All you have to do is look at his any any tweet that he makes. People reply with this the article about this um, in his comments. He ran a multi billion dollar healthcare company, um, but he was also running an enormous fraud. He was taking millions of dollars in kickbacks, and eventually his company had to spend 2 billion dollars on all the civil lawsuit civil fraud lawsuits that they created. It was the biggest Medicare fraud in the history of the program and he ran that. And that's part of his um uh, of his origin story, but the myth making is successful um you know, humble beginnings all those tropes, right, that they use to build people up that they use to like make um make just a normal congressperson into a senator can we build out this story about you and make you into this more mythical figure uh and cinema's no different um so i want to read you a little bit of a new york times article that that goes into her backstory because there's a florida connection Mm -hmm. and i think it's again very telling when Kirsten Cinema began her rise in Arizona politics in the early 2000s, she was a Ralph Nader supporter and a local spokeswoman for the Green Party, who worked to repeal the death penalty and organized anti-war protests. Uh, but today, as a Democratic nominee, this was back. This article was back in like 2018 when she was running for Senate for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, while she is now a three-term member of Congress, she's running uh, as much on her biography, which include her three years spent homeless as a child, as any issue. She's using that personal hardship to project grit and distinguish herself from the from most people in politics, as she says. So it is true. When she was a young kid in the 80s, she was homeless for three years. They lived in her 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 mother, her siblings, and her uh her stepfather lived in a gas station in where? Florida. And so, um, that has been like a central story of hers, part of her myth making. Turns out it might be kind of bullshit. And this again is from um from the same New York Times article with a few with few major legislative accomplishments to her record because she's a milk toast centrist Democrat and they don't fucking get anything ever actually done. Sure. Uh, uh, Miss Cinema is largely running on a political image that she's shaped and reshaped over the years, and nothing is more central to it now than her childhood homelessness. In speeches and interviews, she recalls how she spent three years as a child living in a former gas station without running water or electricity. She's highlighted that hardship as a way to distinguish herself from most people in politics, as she would be the rare senator with personal experience of being homeless. But court documents reviewed by the New York Times raise questions about Miss Cinema's descriptions of what she endured in the mid-1980s when her mother remarried and moved the family from Arizona to Florida. and Miss Cinema herself, as her national profile has risen, has given contradictory answers about her early life. So they go into it. In 1984, Miss Cinema's family bought a new start uh, sought a new start in a small Florida Panhandle community where her stepfather had roots. De Funiac Springs, which I've never fucking heard of. I've, I have no idea what Defuniac Springs is, but it sounds terrible. It's in the panhandle. It must be awful. Um, uh, at first, her fa- her stepfather found only part-time work as a computer science teacher. So the family of five moved into what had been built as a service station. The building stands today, and it's vacant. In filings from 1985 and 1986 to the judge who handled her parents' divorce... Miss Cinema's mother and stepfather outlined monthly payments they made for an electric bill, a phone bill, and a gas bill while living in the gas station. Which was actually to say that, like, they're living in the gas in some gas station is to be like, damn, that's some like squatting shit, man. Like, they were low down. But it turns out that the gas station was owned by the stepfather's parents. And it was basically on their land where the parent those parents lived in a farmhouse nearby. I am not saying that it wasn't hard scrabble or whatever. It was sure. probably a tough life. It was probably a tough life. But what did I say before? Myth making, yeah, right? like taking a thing and building it up, like yeah. your 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 tough um, road to where you are from the the mean streets of Stroudsburg, right? Like yeah. the way that you like build it up, you know.
1: Yeah. And w- once it's out there, you kind of can't take it away with like extra bits of information. It's already out there because not everybody's going to get in those little extra bits of information.
0: Yeah. Because the nature of information on the internet is like, you got to hope that people stumble on those extra bits. Right. If all they see is the original story, that's all that there is. Exactly. So, anyway, the New York Times tries calling calling her on it and she makes a good point that like being homeless is uh you know not the kind of thing um that a little kid like whether or not her parents were paying those bills um is not like the kind of thing that a little kid and she was a little kid at the time would be aware of but you know they get into all this other shit about like oh well you know this place had running water and a toilet but she said that they had to like shit outside or whatever you know it's like it's all this stuff that doesn't line up and yeah. i don't care about it like we shouldn't really care about it it's not that big of a deal right um it, 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 like this stuff is small and it's stupid but the point that i'm trying to make is that that it sort of like tells a larger story about the type of people that end up in these positions moving forward she goes to byu she ends up um, on scholarship there she's an an amazing student uh you know gets straight a's graduates a year early from high school um, to go to byu uh, graduates top of her class eventually moves back to arizona where she was originally from right and gets into politics through the world of activism now i i i had to like really kind of get into it to find like old message board postings and things like that to to try to understand because there's only a few like contemporaneous reports about what she was doing and she has those very well-known quotes that are very you know radical and far to the left that she that she came out and said during that period of time right um but if you dig deeper in like you know twitter and on some old message boards and things like that what you'll see Is uh, allegations from people who were also involved in those um, leftist groups and those organizations that after her involvement, they became pretty uh, convinced that she was a, which is, this is not strange in like leftist groups and um, especially anti-war groups, that she was an informant, that she was there specifically Filling the role of somebody who was going back and telling law enforcement about which, in again, in the years after nine eleven was very common. It's still very common mm-hmm. for leftist groups, groups um you know, anarchists or anti-war groups to have, you know, to be riddled with um with cops. and uh, the the supposition from a lot of the people that um that were involved in the left in Arizona politics, um, or Arizona activism i should say back in the you know early 2000s is that she was one of those kind of people mm-hmm. um and she was playing a part which she would continue to do to great success climbing the ranks um you know continuing to get straight a's it, but in life right get, doing the the obama thing where like you are a groundbreaking histor you know leveraging your your status as a, in her case, a, um, you know, uh, a bisexual, you know, or a bi, a bi woman.
1: Yeah.
0: And in the case of Obama, of course, the fact that he was black leveraging that as your hook, your bit of relevance, your historicness, you're going to be the first member of Congress who's out of the closet, going to be the first member of the United States Senate who's out of the closet, maybe the first president one day who's out of the closet. Mm. Um, you know, so it, it's, it's, the same thing i've heard people talking recently about this idea that i wanted to like run by you and see what you think have you ever heard of the term homo economicus no i like the word though (laughs) (laughs) homo economicus is like kind of the theory of economics that you and i were raised on and that most people in this country were raised on where it's like you know it's a theory that we are looking out only for ourselves right Mm -hmm. and that's and that's the way that markets should work that's the way that the economy should work that we should all be consumption units individual consumption units that are out there making our our best deals for ourselves. we go Mm -hmm. i go into comcast and i try to get a cheaper price on my on my phone plan i would never it would never strike me to get you and a thousand other comcast um customers and all come together because i'm about myself right like I, I need to take care of my budget my individual it's it it speaks to the the sort of inherent individualism of America really of the United sure. States of the way that we are the, the the predominant like two strains of politics that we think of as being like liberal and conservative the two biggest avatars of them over the last however many 10 15 years have been in terms of liberals Obama right mm-hmm. and in terms of conservatives Trump. Mm-hmm. And they both are two sides of the same coin of that homo economicus uh, thought exercise or, or, or theory where Obama is the version that sort of follows the rules and gets there the right way and has the big S on his chest and is basically like a superhero. Mm-hmm. And then Donald Trump is the like, I don't know, the, the breaking bad version, the like, fuck the rules, I don't care. And they both have appeal. They both have appeal. Yeah, people love the each of their stories or each of their ways of getting there, um, but they are still just based on this sort of like inhuman, um, just desire for clout and for like because that's really what Obama was, and we know that that's what Trump is. But Obama, I mean, look, what did Obama do in his first few years out of office? He became a fucking TV executive. Mm-hmm. Like, did he? Did he like fucking work to cure cancer or fix? the world or like you know uh get you know uh justice for africa or something no he didn't do any of those things he decided to make a fucking ass load of money and everybody will tell you anybody who was raised in our homo economicus uh mindset in this country like hey that's his right he's got to go get his right good for him i'm glad he is you know and Trump obviously is the same thing just in a completely different valence right he's just a complete different version of that All right in Kirsten Cinema I see the same thing it's the same shit it is what the senate attracts from candidates the kind of people that can make it there not the loony fringe people not the QAnon people who like just get lucky and win their district of like fifty thousand people in northern Georgia, <laughs> Right. and get like yeah. a few a few thousand people in northern Georgia to vote for them because they're the only Republican running, and they they happen to believe that like Hillary Clinton eats babies or whatever. <laughs> and, but like, but this is a different level of kind of scariness, yeah. and um, I, I, I it's it's way more dangerous than any QAnon person when um. You know, Dylan had the famous line where he wrote about like uh, the politicians standing in the the aisles and blocking up, you know, the progress. And that's what this kind of person is. It's a person who is not an overt enemy. It's a person who's way more dangerous than an overt enemy because an an, an overt, fringe, crazy conspiracy theory person, if they're not Donald Trump, they're probably not going to be anything more than like, you know some yeah. local legislator or even a member of congress this is one of the 100 most powerful positions in our government this is a united states senate
1: well and and this and these kinds of people appeal so greatly to the whole like american dream anybody can become successful mindset which is you know what this right. whole country is built on
0: And she is one of the successful type people. She is like a LinkedIn, you know, influencer type person. She is like a, you can do it too. Um, You know, if I can do it, you know, like, here's my workout tips for a successful Saturday type person, you know, here. And she, she is a building herself as a, and this might be irreparably damaged because of this fucking thumbs down, uh, you know, play acting that she did Um, because nobody thought that was cute. Nobody thought that that was cool or funny, but she is like a lifestyle brand in in the making. Like she will have like a line of towels at Target probably one day. I mean, she's (laughs) that kind of like, she's a lifestyle brand in the making.
1: I still wonder about that though. Like to go back to, you know, that thing that has kind of set this whole conversation off. Like you'd think someone like this is so calculated that they are seeing a couple of steps ahead as to what the reaction to, to an action like that would be. And, you know, is this kind, is this kind of fallout part of that plan or
0: did she just not? That brings up such a good question because like, I don't know if the action because the reason that we're sitting here talking about this, I had wanted to talk about Kirsten Sinema for a while because I had a tweet a while back where I was like where I, I got into it with some people. But like we were, I was talking about like, don't just blame if you're a Democrat and you're, you know, supporting Biden-Harris, don't just blame Joe Manchin for not being able to get your shit done. There's 10 other Democrat senators who are just like Joe Manchin, just like Joe Biden, who are very invested in making sure that things at the time I was talking about medicare for all mm-hmm. but it that that the logic holds true for minimum wage they're just as beholden to the same interests that don't want any timber of that raft that I was talking about earlier of the progressive legislation they don't want any of that stuff to pass yeah they don't and to say that they want to wait until it can have a clear airing and its own moment in the sun and to have it being heard openly and that and debated back that's bullshit Right. It's bullshit because, by the way, just like this COVID package, every piece of legislation is passing is going along party lines. It's all fifty fifty. There isn't a single bit of like, oh well, we won so and so over to our side, or we won this person over to our side. Other than maybe the senators who didn't want to get shit canned and like actually went against Trump in the um, a completely meaningless vote when they went against Trump in the second uh, impeachment hearing. Other than that, there's nobody getting convinced to move over to another side. Right. Right. I think one of the better um, uh, compilations or the better summaries of the situation or takes, I should say, was comes from David Sirota, who is um, obviously has a long history as a progressive journalist. And then also uh, on Bernie's staff uh, during his last run. And uh, Andrew Perez over on the daily poster they have this article called Kirsten Sinema's Swamptail. The former Green Party icon with her thumbs down on a $15 minimum wage personifies the timeless story of the Ernest Do-Gooder turned Washington monster. So Daily Poster is at dailyposter.com. It's a sub stack with, with, um, that David Sirota runs, and you should subscribe to it if you can. In the, in the article, it says, One of the most enduring parables in American culture is about going to Washington. It's a tale of Ernest Do-Gooder's Deciding to run for office on a pledge to be a voice for the voiceless, then getting to the beltway and quickly becoming a swamp monster, selling out the folks back home. There's countless examples of this phenomenon, but we should understand that there has maybe never been such a pure personification of this cliche as Kirsten Cinema. That's what I'm talking about. Dave. That's what I'm yeah. saying is like she is this Washington, like the inherent evil of the united states senate distilled Uh, and she managed to capture the entire trope in one iconic moment that should never ever be forgotten cinema's gone viral for and then he just they they go on to describe um the uh the actual action of the thumbs down uh as an nba dunk contest like spectacle of casting that unnecessary vote to crush millions of workers uh cinema's display is notable not just for the spectacle not just because she represents a state joe biden won And not just because she decided to break with her own Democratic colleague, Mark Kelly, who's running for re-election. Her vote is also newsworthy for how it caps off one of the most grotesque political journeys in the history of the modern country. Unlike many corporatists in Washington, Sinema did not get her start as a standard issue business-friendly cyborg created in Westworld-style factory at the local chamber of commerce. She was a Green Party icon, a social worker. She'd been elected to Arizona's legislature as a proud, unabashed progressive. She even became a board member of our organization. Well, David David Sirota used to run this organization called the um, American Legislative Exchange Council uh, that was basically like championing progressive causes. So they go on to like explain this progressive image that she had built for herself. She was very much, you know who she reminded me a lot of because she was like animated by a by personal experience of personal tragedy. And if you watch a lot of these old clips and God, I don't want to smear like a friend of our show, but she reminded me a lot of Amy Vellella. Mm-hmm. Like she was that kind of like very real salt of the earth person mm-hmm. who um, had endured real life in a way like her, this woman, Kristen cinema turning into what she is now would be as stunning to me as if somebody like Amy Vallela. Completely betrayed all the multiple, you know, time guests of the show. uh, Completely betrayed all of her morals or her, you know, her her political beliefs or just ideals, and became a swamp monster. And it's ridiculous. The one eighty, the one eighty is like impossible to believe. It's scary. It's 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 like horror movie shit. Yeah, it's like when somebody takes a mask off and you're like, you've been that person this yeah. fucking whole time. I don't know. And like I, I always wonder to myself, like, if these people are always those people underneath, or if it's just a collection of um compromises they make with themselves yeah. that build over time. Like like we always say, like, oh, the twenty year old version of us or the fifteen year old version of us would beat the shit out of us right. if they saw what we are now. And I wonder if it's just like an extended version of that if it's just this like this mountain or more like a gulch like a gulch of of compromise that just gets worn down over time by this small trickle of bad decisions or self interested decisions i guess there may be good decisions from her perspective
1: right right yeah yeah it's still i mean and that that all makes sense but it still makes the actual action uh super hard to read um you know despite any any of any of the uh, possible explanations for her change in in you know the things that she's you know standing for. I mean, just the way she did
0: it is just bizarre, truly bizarre. Like they get into it, and um, again, Sirota and Andrew perez are both really good reporters. They talk about how she gets to Washington after you know working in the uh, in the Arizona legislature uh, in the Capitol. She voted to help corporate lobbyists harm lots of marginalized people that she claimed to get she got into politics to protect she broke with her party to help the financial industry roll back already weak regulations in the wake of the financial crisis she became one of the top recipients of campaign cash from predatory lenders and helped republicans advance legislation to protect those lenders Um, in all cinema cast votes with trump priorities half the time according to an analysis by 538 Her elevation to the Senate Banking Committee was considered a big win for Wall Street. Last summer, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce awarded Cinema their inaugural Abraham Lincoln uh, Leadership for America Award. These fucking awards these people give out. Like, what kind of fucking names are they? (laughs) It's insane. Uh, And the Jefferson Hamilton Award for Bipartisanship. Are you fucking kidding me? Everybody who gets the Jefferson Hamilton Award for Bipartisanship should be fucking lined up. (laughs) And and just like, just, just gunned down in cold blood. There's no way.
1: Allegedly. N- Alleg- Allegedly.
0: I can picture a fictional world, yes. clearly in my head, where anybody who receives is even nominated for the Jefferson Hamilton Award for Bipartisanship. In this fictional world that doesn't exist and should never exist. I can picture a world where they would be bludgeoned to death in the streets in front of their loved ones. Put up the uh, issue and scratchy
1: technical difficulties. <laughs> 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 what's up, what's up?
0: Yeah. Uh, you know what? This is a complete tangent. Don't you hate... Very, the like I this is a bugaboo of mine the fucking well known music in culture that you don't know what it's called yeah like you don't know the name <laughs> for it like uh like everybody knows the name of Yakety Sax right right that goes, one like, everyone
1: somehow have, learned everyone over the somehow years.
0: figured out the word for that one but the the name for that one but like all of those like those immediately identifiable pieces of music that define you know, entertainment and television and movies and shit like that, but you just don't know what they're called. Yeah. That is infuriating to me. <laughs> um, I hate that. I wonder if Pandora can, you know, if you can play, play it on Pandora. Probably. But um, anyway, all of this culminated in the COVID-19 relief bill, but back to um, Daily Poster, where she's played a particularly pernicious role. Cinema who, who has said that she was a social worker in an immigrant and refugee community and cast herself as a defender of those groups, voted with Republicans last month to block survival aid from going to undocumented immigrants. Despite her previous uh, ad- public advocacy for a higher minimum wage, Cinema S- has been making process arguments for weeks. So before this thumbs down, she was already sabotaging the effort to get to the $15 minimum wage by, like, you know, focusing on the process, which we've seen with the parliamentarian and all this bullshit that like, there's going to be a million different process oriented uh, procedural ways for Democrats to make sure that they don't have to actually do anything for anybody. Um, (laughs) So, She's been a part of that. Democrats are only using the budget reconciliation process for Biden's coronavirus relief package because Sinema and a handful of other conservative Democrats refuse to end the filibuster. With the filibuster intact, Republicans can block most legislation unless Democrats can find 60 votes. Uh, The reconciliation process is maddeningly complex, but it allows bills to pass with a majority vote. Um, So the article does a great job. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing because I don't want to just cannibalize <laughs> cannibalize the daily posters um, stuff. If you want to read it, go subscribe. They're, it's a good site. They basically just make the point at the end that cinema is more than happy to provide. In a different era, advancement in the Democratic Party often required politicians to stand with workers and the poor. Today, that's changed. Everyone in Washington knows that the most reliable path to advancement is to serve power with a hearty thumbs down. Anytime a proposal asks the wealthy to sacrifice anything is more than happy to provide that on camera in the well of the United States Senate. She seems overjoyed to show the world that she has gone Washington and dishonored everything that she purported to care about during her political ascent. In the process, workers struggling to survive got yet another thumb shoved directly into their eye. Great writing. I like, um, I like reading Sirota. And Andrew Perez is really good too. Um, so I, th- they put it really well. I would say... The natural conclusion, we talk about how, like, okay, so, like, what do you do about it? What is the prescription? Mm -hmm. I don't think that there's a way to reform the U.S. Senate. I And I also don't even know if it's possible to abolish it or that it would ever happen. I think it's way more likely that you would get 34 Democrat— I think it's way more likely you would get 34 Republican governors together— to have a constitutional convention and just declare the U.S. a, a state of martial law right. before you would ever get any of those, it, 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 before you could like sideline any of the power of the of of the U.S. Senate. But I think people don't understand. We argue every two years. There's a new set. New thirty-three new senators are up for, or thirty-four new senators are are or incumbents going up against. Um, Uh, new challengers and we're like oh this is a good year for republicans this is a bad year for republicans it's a good year for democrats it's a bad year for democrats there is no good year for democrats and there's no good year for anybody over the course of the last three cycles tens of millions of more votes have gone towards democrats and three remember with the way the senate works dave three cycles equals the whole senate because one third of the senate gets voted on Every two years, every two years, 33 or 34 senators get voted on. And over the course of three cycles, so 2016, 2018, 2020, that's the whole, a whole rotation of all 100 senators had to, you know, go up, make their case, get elected or lose. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, so over the course of that three cycles, the last three cycles, Democrats lost both of the first two. Even though they won by tens of millions of votes, because Republicans can win a Senate seat in Wyoming with 60,000 people voting for them. But a Democrat has to win 25 million votes in California to mm. win. So it's incredibly inherently at its core an undemocratic institution. And the only time that Democrats actually were able to win control of the Senate narrowly by the skin of their teeth, 50-50, on uh, this year or last year, I should say, 2020, it was the only time that they actually lost the popular vote. More Republicans voted for Republican Senate, more Senate Republicans got votes last cycle than Democrats. And yeah, Democrats won. Mm -hmm. it's completely ass backwards it's a terrible institutions institution the resources and the money that goes into look at some of these fucking democrat losers that i listed that how much money they spent mj hager from texas spent 29 million dollars to lose amy mcgrath in kentucky going up against mitch mcconnell 94 million dollars jamie harrison who's now running the um the dnc 131 million dollars to lose to lindsey graham doug jones 31 million dollars to lose sarah gideon 75 million dollars to win like to lose the most winnable race that there's been in fucking forever up in maine and and not didn't just lose got her fucking tits handed to her (laughs) and like got just crushed all of these people got annihilated their entire job is to raise money and to funnel it into all of the make work bullshit fucking pro- um uh consultants and and uh and groups and nonprofits that support the democratic party yeah this like million tentacled fucking octopus that supports all these you know six figure and seven figure um professional managerial class salaries out there like all of these directors of outreach that are making 240 grand to make three facebook posts a month or some shit you know like uh, it's it it, it, that it's it's all built on sand Mm -hmm. and what it attracts aren't people that are going to actually you know do any kind of business for the people or whatever it's people who can best perpetuate that cycle of mm-hmm. spending and uh, you know of of status quo maintenance, and that's what somebody like Barack Obama was all about. That's what somebody like Kirsten Cinema is all about. And the f- fact that we are seeing now, and that she very clearly showed us what she's all about with that ridiculous gesticulation last week. Is honestly the least fucking surprising thing in the world to me. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so funny that people thought she was some sort of progressive. I don't even think she's a centrist. I think that she's water. I think she takes the shape of what her and so many of these um, uh, people, so many people in in the United States Senate, they're water. They're liquid. They take the shape of whatever object that they're in. Right, And that's the shape of, of the object that she's in right now.
1: Yeah, that's that's scary. Um that it's so nihilistic and uh just it just totally shows the cracks in this entire system in a kind of different way. Like there's already so many fucking cracks in it all, but it's just a whole another yeah. no, way that it's just uh e- even more uh just violently awful.
0: It's just And you can look at honestly, you can find it on the other side too. Like you can find uh, just recently, I think it was either today or yesterday that um Lindsey Graham had a uh Lindsey Graham had a um, interview with Axios, right, where uh, the reporter, I think it was Jonathan Swan, was holding him down and, like, really, you know, kind of trying to pin him down and be like, hey, so what is your opinion of Trump? Like, I'm paraphrasing, I don't really remember exactly what he said, but the the position of the questioning was, like, is Donald Trump good? You, You know, you, Lindsey Graham, are a standard bearer for the Republican Party. You've been a leader in the party forever. Donald Trump only in the last six years has completely stepped in and now owns and runs the party Mm -hmm. and is a complete outlier from anything that you've had in the past, even though he's a pretty natural growth, outgrowth of of what the Republican Party has created. Um, You know, is it good or bad for your party? And Lindsey Graham was like, I want him in the party and was almost like pretty honest and forthcoming about why he was like he brings votes. People vote for him Mm -hmm. and more people will vote for him. And by extension, vote for other Republicans too. Yeah, and it's true. Lindsey Graham probably uh, we know this because of the primary campaign in 20, in twenty fifteen and twenty sixteen. Lindsey Graham was vocally opposed to Trump when things when, when when the circumstance suited him right, and then slowly came to his side. When the circumstances suited him. Sure. When all of a sudden Trump was in office and he was a Republican president and Graham wanted to have a voice in that administration. um, Yeah. So you can find this anywhere. And to say that these are people who are betraying their ideals is ridiculous on its face because it, it you know, presupposes that they had ideals. Right. Yeah. And it's clear that they don't. That's right. Yeah. Just opportunism uh, in in
1: any form uh, just happens to be in the world of politics.
0: And I'll end it with this. Don't ever trust anybody who's like one of these A-type striver people and is like way too into like CrossFit workout shit. Mm. Like like anybody who's doing like – I'm not talking about sports where you actually play a game to get points or runs or, you know, or, you know touchdowns or whatever i'm talking about people who are just like like what did kenny powers say I'm, I, I like to play men's sports i'm not into trying to i'm not trying to be the best at exercise <laughs> like, that's <laughs> don't trust those people iron man people fucking yeah. triathlon people trying to be the best at exercising <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fuck shit.